0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny
1: at Obsessive Tiny
0: on Letterboxd. (laughs) And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast (laughs) that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, more of our podcasts at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. Uh, I'm the aforementioned Matt Hurt, and with me is the other aforementioned Tiny. Hello. Hi, Tiny. How's it going?
1: Good, good, good.
0: Good. Did you enjoy our little Patreon warm-up recording? I did. Cool, yeah. Uh, if you are interested in getting access to the special RSS feed specifically for Patreon subscribers to us, uh, just go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and donate the minimum, uh, tier of $1 per month and that'll get you access to an exclusive RSS feed with content that's recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. I don't know why I said it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Finally, you can also follow us on letterboxd as well. Uh, tiny is of course obsessive tiny. I'm obsessive viewer and Mike is, I am Mike white and Mike is currently not here with us today. Um, he's actually watching vice for movie night In spirit only. Uh, Yes. Oh yes. um, So, Tiny, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, this was originally, I conceived of this episode um, as a bonus episode, but it's kind of morphed into something a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, because of time, really. Right, right. But today, we're going to talk about two documentaries, um, so definitely in your wheelhouse. Yes. Um, We're going to be reviewing Hulu's Fire Fraud. Uh, which is about the Fire Festival from April of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an abject failure and, you know, terrible uh, experience for the people who spent thousands and thousands of dollars to go to it. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of fraud at the uh, center of it and, uh, mm-hmm. con artist doings. And yep. in addition to that, we're also going to review Fire on Netflix, which is a documentary about the Fire Festival in April of 2017 that was a complete disaster and, <laughs> and was terrible for the people who spent thousands and thousands of dollars on it. There was a lot of fraud and con artist goings on in it. Um, so yeah, so I'm really excited about this because it's, I don't know, it's, it's unique because we don't do like two identical movie reviews. doesn't really happen. It doesn't. (laughs) And like, I, there are the, you know, there are the comparisons to be made that like, oh, you know, Dante's peak and uh volcano like back Mm. in the nineties or, uh, like movies that movies that are created and released that are similar to each other. Like twin movies, I think is the name of it. Like there's a Mm. Wikipedia page for it. But this is different because there are two documentaries. Both have some ethics issues tied to them. Yeah. I don't know if you read about that or heard about it. But a little bit. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to all that in a moment. But I actually do have some news to go over. Um, quite a bit of news, actually. Um, first of all, our friends over at Geeking in Indiana once again have uh, launched a new podcast. They're actually launching a family of podcasts. Uh, the new one is You're Going to Love This or Not. Um, we're going to play a promo of that at the end of the episode uh, this week. Yes, you can find that at YGLTON.com or at uh, GeekinginIndiana.com. Oh, you're, you're playing with the cat. I am playing with the cat. <laughs> God, she's so cute. Look at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's getting a little, getting a little chubby. Why does people, why do people keep saying that? She looks like she's getting a little She's chubby. got some holiday weight and <laughs> she's, you know, she's, I don't, I don't know. She's, <laughs> she's not. It's just maybe it's because I give her treats.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and like she's trained me to where, uh, I can't just give her one treat because I almost slipped up. I call them tweets. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, here, pizza, get your tweet. (laughs) Then when I throw the tweet, she says, hashtag, go get it. Or I say, hashtag, go get it. And she's like, hashtag, I got it. (laughs) But I always drop a few more in her food bowl because I did that once or twice. And then she started expecting it. All right. I don't want to, um, upset my overlord. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, there, there's your dose of pizza roll for this, for this week. Um, yeah so uh, news though um all check out our friends over at Kicking indiana and and you're gonna love this or not uh i listened to their first episode it's gonna be a monthly release uh their first episode is covering cannibal the musical uh from trey parker matt stone um that it basically the premise of the podcast is that uh matt and matt is a guy who uh has invited me to his basement a lot of times um (laughs) and uh he he has people over and watches you know uh arguably terrible movies (laughs) um sadly i haven't had a chance or i haven't actually gone over there but i have been invited several times i will go eventually um but this podcast is basically them discussing terrible movies (laughs) um and i'm hoping i was texting tony before uh we started recording i'm hoping that we can get all of them on for a like a special episode of obsessive viewer. So cool. Hopefully we can get that worked out. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the other piece of news, and this is, it's tricky because this is going to be kind of old by the time this comes out, because it's coming out next week. But um, did you hear about the Brian Singer thing? No, okay. I didn't.
1: I, I saw a headline or something, but no.
0: Okay. So Brian Singer is basically, okay. So, the Oscar nominations came out this week, and Brian Singer is the credited director for Bohemian Ra- Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Um, the thing is, though, that he got fired two weeks before filming completed, mm. um, and so like under certain regulations, like he is he's still credited, but like he's not like he he. It's it's not like he was uh, acknowledged or anything in, in the nominee. Well, I mean, he wasn't nominated for best director or anything, but. Uh, it's, it's a messy kind of thing, but for several years, he has had a, a, a history of having sexual, uh, uh, sexual assault allegations, um, over several years. Right. Um, so, I mean, there, there are rumors that like he had, like he would have like Parties with, with teenage boys that he would drug and, and get, uh, get drunk and then, and then rape them essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was part of like a, a Hollywood sex ring of people that were, uh, quote unquote passing around underage boys to each other and, oh, and having wow. sex with them. I remember that. Yeah. So today, January 23rd, um, I, and I, I feel kind of not, I'm in a, I'm in a kind of a, weak position to bring it up because I haven't finished it yet. But the Atlantic, uh, published a, uh, scathing and thorough article. Mm. Um, like it was like throughout the day I was reading, like I was reading it in pieces, like while I was working and like, like the whole day I was reading it and like, I, I didn't finish it. I didn't get around to finishing it. <laughs> um, it just keeps going and going and going. And, uh, it is a a piece that has been written over the, over that was written over the course of twelve months. Um, they worked on it for twelve months. Uh, Alex French and Maximilian Potter. Um, and it's like it is the kind of uh, like just reading it. Like I just I, I had kind of a justice boner. <laughs> um, and like the. I mean, just the writing of it, like in terms of just sheer journalism, like this is an incredible piece of journalism. Wow, um, it, because it covers so much, and it is so just genuine. Like it, like um, they'll, they go through like different allegations and everything, and like one, like one guy who says like, oh yeah, when I was when I was 14 years old, I was kind of groomed by Brian Singer, or I was an I was an extra on um, apt pupil and I, he had me uh, sit in a locker room by myself in a robe with nothing else on. And then he would periodically come, come back there where it was just me and him um, throughout the day. And like, he would touch my chest and he would, he would be very inappropriate. And like what, what I, what I really admire about this particular piece, which you better believe I'm going to post this in the, in the show notes. Um, is that they go, they go to very, uh, they go to the extra length of like any time that they, they, like they're talking about like, oh, he said this, this happened and this thing, and then like in parentheses it says like, his his account is has been verified by us the his description of the location was verified by us by using this per- particular like uh this information that we found online of when when this particular property was being sold or whatever and like this this allegation is has been, has been corroborated by people that that knew him from from when he was a kid or or uh this his name appears in this particular address book that is linked to this mansion where they threw these parties and like, it's very, very detailed. Jeez. And it's like, it's, it's incredible. Like I, like reading, I was like fucking like, first of all, it's, it's infuriating because Brian Singer has fucking gotten away with this for years. And it paints him as such like a predator and a, a a manipulator. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's really, uh, disquieting that it's, you know, that, it, that it's, um, he hasn't faced any justice or, or been, um, charged or, um, yeah you know, there hasn't, what's the word I'm looking for? There hasn't been any, um, litigation or, you know, criminal, like he hasn't, he, like, I don't know. There haven't been any criminal charges that have come up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it's heartbreaking too, because it goes on to say like, oh, this person was, um, after, after this encounter with Singer, this person, uh, who got A's and B's in class, like he ended up missing a, a lot of school. He got kicked out of school. He ended up getting, uh, his, when he was 16, he got his girlfriend pregnant and, uh, became a very, uh, uh, got like got, had run-ins with the law and everything. And, uh, and like it had, a, has a quote from him saying like, I think at that point it was a couple years later, like when I got uh when I got my girlfriend pregnant and like I just I wanted to prove that I was a man like I wanted to like no. uh, like it, it's just it's really just uh I don't want to say gripping because that implies that there's some kind of like entertainment out of it but it's just riveting uh journalism
1: right it goes beyond accusations like it's yeah. like there's details
0: yeah like look at how long like look how long I'm scrolling Jeez. like it's insane that's crazy yeah um yeah, I highly, highly encourage anyone to, everyone to to read this in its entirety, yeah. um, because it is uh, really remarkable. I bring that up, and I haven't read the article yet, but, uh, what? The, oh my God, Brian Singer responded to it, um, which he like he actually made like an Instagram post in like October saying something like, um. Like, like saying, like, oh, I hear that, you know, people are writing, are, are, uh, are trying to write this article about me that's, that's complete, like trying to get ahead of it, saying, like, oh, it's completely fabricated and everything. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, it's, 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 it's icky. Yeah. Um, but he said, I'm trying to find the article because I saw it on Deadline where he had a response. Uh, deadline.com, his response was uh, the headline says Brian Singer responds to Atlantic Report, quote, homophobic smear piece timed to take advantage of Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody's su- uh, success. Huh. Um which I I don't know. It just I don't know. It's it's really murky and and, and just disquieting.
1: Yeah, people aren't homophobic in Hollywood anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Yeah. And yeah. it's just it speaks to this whole like there's a documentary that came out in twenty fourteen called An Open Secret. Um, which is all about like this kind of thing and how it's just you yeah, know, rampant in Hollywood. Right. Um I really want to see it. Um I remember yeah. a few years ago, I think it was when the
1: Brian Singer stuff first surfaced mm-hmm. uh Corey Feldman was like on some show and he yeah, was talking he was about how the view, I think, something like that. He's like, I could name names of yeah. people that you know, you would it would blow you away who were mm-hmm. for you know, I can I can tell you who people who are victims and people who are the predators. And mm-hmm. he's like, I can tell you it's like he's basically talking about like those mansion parties and yeah, that were essentially like rape orgies basically mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that's like conspiracy stuff that like you don't, that's like, yeah dark shit that you hope is never true. Right. You know, but. And like when he
0: said that, at least at one point when he, when Corey Feldman said that, like Barbara Walters was like, you're ruining people's careers or something like that. Like, yeah, something like that. Completely just tone deaf and.
1: Right. For whatever reason, I don't think he ever did. I don't, I don't think so
0: either. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
1: it makes you wonder about some of the young, uh, child actors. Totally. Who fizzled out or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, tragically passed away when they were yeah. young. River Phoenix. Yep,
0: in that Atlantic um, article, they Corey uh, Haim. yeah, um, in in the Atlantic report, they mention uh, they talk about Brad Renfro, right? Who was an uh, aft pupil?
1: Uh huh. He was the lead in aft pupil. Yeah, exactly. And he
0: he died in two thousand eight, I think, when he was like twenty five or something. Yeah, I think it was a heroin overdose. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like in like one of the. Um, one of the, the victims that are interviewed in, in it or that are attributed in the, in the report says that like, yeah, um, Brian Singer kept would like refer to Brad Renfro as his boyfriend. Um, oh, this is wow. back like in after pupil day. Right. Um, and he's in, there was an, there was one of the accounts was that, um, uh, there was an, like Brian Singer and, um, another like another man like a grown man had Brad Renfro and this guy this kid in a bedroom with them and they started like they started having sex with with the other boy mm-hmm. and like the boy who's telling the account for for the Atlantic mm-hmm. says that like Brad Renfro the whole time was looking very nervous and, and uns like he was out of place and everything and um i believe it said something to the effect of like uh the 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 boy said Brad wasn't gay or I don't even think he was bi he just thought that that's just how yeah how it works like that's how you get to where where you want to be in college it's just so fucked up and
1: yeah really
0: yeah and just the idea of all this going on and being the norm and it just it's, it's 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 crazy
1: it's crazy how big it how big it is and how it keeps growing yeah Getting, yep. getting deeper and yeah.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much all the news I have. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to bring up projects that I have. I, I'm, I'm excited cause it's January 23rd that we're recording this. Um, and I'm excited because I have essentially lined up, uh, podcasts for all of us for the podcast. Like, you and I have a Game of Thrones thing that we're going to be doing, uh-huh. and then Fekus and I, I've talked about doing, like, a, a Quentin Tarantino thing with him. Hmm. Kirsten and I are going to do this uh, Disney thing. Um, Mike and I are going to do horror movie homework kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm excited because, like, I have, like, ideas and everything. Nice. It's going
1: be fun. It's fun to have stuff to look forward to like that. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. Uh so yeah so we are god i just got so tired <laughs> Uh okay so we're going to talk about these documentaries yes uh i think it's time so the whole story of these documentaries themselves are is interesting yeah because netflix had their documentary fire uh the story of the greatest party that never happened um they had that primed for release it was going to it was releasing last friday and they like were promoting it and everything. It was like, you know, cool. The Wednesday before it was set to release, Hulu came out and was like, oh, hey, we've got a fire documentary, too. Yeah. It's on Hulu right now. <laughs> and we interviewed the guy who ran it and the, the con artist who was at the center of it for the documentary. Right. Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Um, and that documentary is called Fire Fraud yep so Tiny you and I watched these documentaries in opposite order of each other mm-hmm. I watched the Netflix one first you watched the Hulu one first right so um I think since I I want to say since the Netflix one I maybe you'll agree does a better job of following the chronology of what happened and t- the timeline and everything mm-hmm. we should maybe start with a review of that one okay okay All
2: these like in the Bahamas. The most insane festival the world has ever seen. Island Getaway turned disaster. It became
0: very barbaric. Right
2: now we are the fucking laughing side of everything.
0: Just wait until you see what you're getting yourselves into. American rapper Jar Rule is in the Bahamas with his business partner. Billy McFarlane He's an amazing entrepreneur. He can convince anyone of pretty much anything. They just bought an island. Pablo Escobar's island. Oh my gosh. Ding! We're going to throw a festival yeah.
2: Within 48 hours. They sold out. These guys are either completely full of shit or they're the smartest guys in the room. Uh,
0: yeah, okay. Um, do you want to read the plot description for Fire, the greatest party that never happened? Yeah. It
1: says an exclusive behind the scenes look at the infamous r- unraveling of the Fire Music Festival.
0: Very, uh, concise. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so I- this was what what did you okay uh, before we get into actually talking about the documentaries were you aware of fire festival um w- <laughs> d- what was your relationship to it going into these documentaries um
1: i didn't know a lot about it i remember hearing about it back in april 2017 mm-hmm. um on just seeing it on social media um, yeah. i'm not a big instagram user so i didn't didn't see the stuff on there but i heard about it somehow and like i think it was on twitter i remember mm-hmm. um the famous picture of the sandwich with no meat yeah. <laughs> just the cheese on mm-hmm. toast or whatever i remember seeing that and i was like dang that's crazy and i like read about it a little bit but i didn't think much about it i just i just thought it was the main part of the story was that it was a huge failure yeah and that was it um, i didn't know anything about the the fraud that arose came to light after that um and how many people were involved and all the details of it. So I, I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about it, but as soon as I saw like the the promotion for these documentaries, mm-hmm. I was like this okay, I wish I would have <laughs> read up on this a little bit more. It looks pretty sure. interesting. So
0: Yeah. Nice. And uh also I I feel like it's worth mentioning that we should we'll review each documentary and then after we review both of them we'll talk more um about the kind of I don't know if I wanted to say controversy surrounding the documentaries, but mm-hmm. the kind of different ethics involved with each documentary. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, my kind of, uh, relationship to Fire Festival is, uh, <laughs> I remember when it happened. I was at a friend's house. I, I, they were just in town, uh, and, Like, I was sitting there, like, as we're, like, playing games and, like, drinking and everything, and, like, I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, this fire festival, like, what is going on? Like, (laughs) there was, like, subreddits that cropped up that was documenting what was happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I was watching this in real time on social media, and it was just... It was the weirdest, like Schadenfreude kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's and in, in retrospect, I kind of feel like a dick, but I'm like thinking like, okay, if people like they spent like forty to fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for a ticket to this, like clearly, like okay, I'm not gonna be too too sad for them and everything. Yeah. Um so I went into the documentary and kind of the documentaries kind of thinking that, man, okay, well, this will be a fun, like walk down, walk down Schadenfreude lane. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll remember how fun it was to kind of just poke fun at it. And like, I'll get some more interesting, like, I think in the, in my subconscious, I was thinking that there is no way that something this huge fails this miserably, Without being entertaining to watch go down in flames. Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah. So I was kind of eager to watch these documentaries for that reason. What I kind of didn't expect was that, like, it's legit, like, a scam and a con artist at the, at the center of it. That's like, yeah, it's, uh, let's go into the documentary. So what Mm -hmm. did you think of the Netflix one?
1: Um, the Netflix one, Fire. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I liked this one quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think they focused more on the, the actual fraud that was committed. It was a little mm-hmm. bit more revealing in that respect. I think it gave a little bit more, provided a little bit more math, a little bit more numbers, yeah. which I appreciated more. Um, that was, that was interesting and I liked that. Um, and I think it was a well constructed documentary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, it's hard to talk about without comparing the two, right? Um, yeah, but it was more like we actually got to see some like behind the scenes, like a, a, a meeting that was filmed, and mm-hmm. like I said, some of the some of the hard math that was involved, um, and there was a lot of interviews with people who were very close to this and yeah. everything, um,
0: and were involved in the planning,
1: right? So it didn't have like. The two, two or three main, like, founders, Mm -hmm. like the, um, Billy guy and then Grant, I want to say, and Ja Rule, were kind of the three top dogs, didn't have any of them, like, being interviewed in it. But I think some of the people who were making the calls and trying to, you know, uh, sound the siren, if you will, about the issues involved with this event, uh, we're really, really involved in this documentary and yeah. interviewed quite a bit and shed a lot of light on some things. So I, I appreciated that. I think it was, mm-hmm. it was well done in that regard. So
0: and despite the absence of like Ja Rule, Billy McFarland and that grant guy, mm-hmm. like even though there was an absence of them, like in the film in terms of like their participation in the documentary, there's plenty of footage. <laughs> right. Like there's so much footage of them on camera, like saying like, things like like just ridiculous uh things yeah but well i mean what's
1: what the documentaries both had going against them mm-hmm. is that this story pretty much tells itself
0: yeah um, and l- let me stop you right there i just realized that we should probably should have done this at the top let's talk just in broad terms like l- let me just lay out like what happened right. just because just in case you know listeners are unfamiliar with what the fire festival is and just want to hear our reviews of the documentaries and haven't watched them. Um, so the fire festival happened in April of 2017. It was a music festival on, in the Bahamas that was promoted as being a massive, um, exclusive fire, like exclusive luxury, luxury, um, party with the, like the promotional video that they showed had, tons of like famous models and they, they did a huge, um, social media campaign to get, to get the word out and everything, sold tickets of like thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, different packages and everything, villa packages and everything. It was promoted to be a huge, huge thing. And then when the, uh, people got there, they, the places that they were, uh, the campsites that they were at, were FEMA tents with mattresses that were soaking wet from the, from rain from the night before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, completely just unorganized, just disaster. Right. Um, with people like technically pretty much stranded on the island for an indetermined amount of time, um, while it got haphazardly sorted out. Yeah. So that's Fire Festival in a nutshell.
1: And it was, pretty much exclusively promoted via social media exactly that's how it all started yeah like, quote-unquote influencers right tweeted about it or po- posted about it on instagram instagram yeah. was the, the biggest one mm-hmm. so
0: which in my review on letterboxd i uh i'll get to that when we review the okay one. i'm sorry anyway uh so yeah so going back to the netflix one uh what what's up
1: <laughs> um, like I said I think this one shined more of a light on the fraud that occurred on the part of Billy McFarland mm-hmm. and that was that was really interesting to me mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah, and I thought that it was a very well produced and like like you said it, it did have this kind of glean to it it, it has the production value of a well produced Netflix documentary and what I really appreciated about it was that um <clears throat> granted it does take a very specific position against the organizers in my opinion rightfully so <laughs> yeah uh particularly billy mcfarland um but it does so in a way that is telling us the timeline in a very clear like the the language used to tell about what happened and the people used to tell what happened is, is told and edited together in a way that is so coherent that like I was genuinely impressed with like being able to follow along with it and hold my attention and be just, just genuinely very interested in this subject that I couldn't be farther from because I don't give two shits about social media influencers or this really um obnoxious, like party lifestyle that, mm-hmm people yeah. perpetuate online. Um, and so I just, I really appreciate the documentary for basically conveying its, its subject and its story in a way that was incredibly fascinating with me, uh, fascinating to me, despite uh, being away from the, as far away from the content as you can be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, what did you think of, Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to go into spoilers for it or anything. But yeah, we're talking kind of broad terms, where'd you come down on the uh, the kind of story and, and Billy McFarland as as an organizer of it? Because the story goes that he started a. He's basically an entrepreneur that um, does a lot of uh, scams. Really, I mean, there's yeah. it's crime. It's criminal behavior. He did a uh, an exclusive millennial uh uh credit card business thing yeah um and then fire festival like he did a lot of um i was going to say unethical or questionable things but it's downright illegal yeah <laughs> um and then even when you know, the sh- even when the noose is being tightened around his neck, he still does this shit. Yeah. Um. It's just it's really it's really uh kind of crazy and mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how all of his scams that we know about all involve like, um, like like major events and like kind of siphoning siphoning some of the attention that celebrities get into a way to make money mm-hmm. or screw people out of money, really. Yeah. Because um, he did the whole, with his credit card thing, I can't remember the, I don't remember what it's called, but... It's a um, uh, Magnesis. Magnesis, that's yeah. right. It was and, spelled stupidly.
0: Yeah, basically, from what I understand from the Hulu documentary, is that it's essentially just... Putting like a debit card, like creating like a magnetic or like metallic debit card out of like your actual debit card or something like that.
1: Yeah, and it, but well, but where they made where they made their money was they offered exclusive like yeah um like points
0: ac- and benefits and perks
1: access to like stuff access yeah. to like big um access to tickets and stuff like yeah. that for big events and shit like mm-hmm. that um so that was kind of a scam there. And then the whole fire festival fraud that was committed. And then after that, he kind of tried to spin up this new, new business. That was kind of the same thing where he was like, basically NYC
0: VIP access, right? Yeah.
1: Trying to sell people tickets to things that don't even have tickets. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stuff like that.
0: And what's even more fucked up about that is that he was using the, like, email address right. catalog or whatever from fire festival so he's he's sending these mass emails mm-hmm. through a proxy because his name is poison uh yeah. to try to convince them like oh hey you know i've got 200 tickets to the met gallery opening or met whatever the met gala yeah the met gala there you go the met gala and like those aren't even on set like you can't buy those tickets you have to be
1: invited right yeah so, yeah, he's, he's obviously has this obsession with, you know, celebrity culture mm-hmm. and he, you know, he wants to be the next Mark Zuckerberg and he wants yeah. to, uh, it's, I think it, it speaks to how, how toxic celebrity can be. Mm-hmm. And like, fame is, fame is a living now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that it never wasn't. Right. But, um, don't I know it? Yeah. Um, the, the way it can be so easily attained now mm. is, I think, a pretty, toxic thing. Yeah. And like, which social media, social media makes it so easy. Mm-hmm. Some kid does some stupid ass dance mm-hmm. and somebody films it and they post it. And now that kid is worth a million dollars. Yeah. Because of whatever reason. And it's like, that's, you couldn't do that 20 years ago. Right. You couldn't do that 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think Billy McFarlane found a way to exploit that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all hear about scams, but this uh, was on a whole other level.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting that you, it's interesting that you made the connection that he's kind of like piggybacking off of celebrity, which I, I agree, but what I got from it was that he's just more just a, really he's a complete sociopath. Like yeah, he's, totally. He's a, he's a monster. He's a shitty human being. Yeah. And what's also worth mentioning is that the Fire Festival, like it's, it was a, oh, Jesus Christ, it was a festival to promote an app that he was creating right. that was apparently the Tinder of booking. Yeah, where like you could celebrity like, booking. Yeah, you could. Uh, you could like oh have Coldplay play your birthday. Right, and it's like it's the most absurd thing because what the like? How how would anyone think that that would work? Like what the fuck?
1: I mean, actually, that of of all his ideas, that seems like the most legitimate to me. It it does I in mean, the most like. It's douchey as hell, oh, and yeah. like I think anyone who's like, "Oh my god, it would be so cool if Blink yeah. One Eighty Two showed up at my birthday."
0: It's like the most Silicon Valley idea, right? Um, and it's I mean super... that in terms of Silicon Valley and also the TV show Silicon yeah. Valley.
1: <laughs> it's just—it's a super shallow concept, Absolutely. and just I don't but people's obsession with celebrity. I think, like I said, I think it's toxic, and I think it's yeah. it's not. I don't think it's healthy. No, not at all, personally. And so I think that it feeds into that and Mm -hmm. exploits that. I don't think it would be, if you do it correctly, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's illegal. Right. It's not illegal or even, I don't even know if it's unethical, but I think it's, it's enabling that toxic behavior. Mm -hmm.
0: And a lot of part, or a big part of the documentary, what I kind of dug about it actually is that there's such an effort at the beginning, like the whole like first part of the documentary is devoted to them making the promotional video and like it's that's solely what it, that's our introduction to Fire Festival in right. this documentary. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, in theory, this is fucking amazing. yeah <laughs> like who wouldn't want to go to the Bahamas with beautiful models and right. be at a music festival and stuff like like it had this like I and I at one point, I think it's kind of hinted at in the in the Netflix documentary, but in the Hulu documentary, it's more spelled out, but like, there was this whole idea that, like, oh, we're we're gonna bring economy to, to the Bahamas. Like, we're gonna yeah. bring build up their economy by having this thing that we can have like each year, and it's gonna help the help boost the um, economy of the Bahamas and everything. And like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, like, shit, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> well, I'm not there. I can't afford it. But um, but like, yeah, okay, I, that makes sense. And then you get like. The clip of them talking over the campfire trying to get the models to go into the water. Right. Really skeevy. Yeah. And then like you hear Billy say uh we're selling a pipe dream to these losers who think that they can get like they they can live our lifestyle or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. he said. And I'm like, "Oh, this is a garbage human being." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Yeah. And uh <laughs> this is something okay, this is going to be so so throughout the documentary there's a lot of, they're recounting a lot of the str- like the obstacles that came up. Like, there are so many things that went wrong that they either completely ignored, did not answer properly, or just were being caught in a fraud that was never, like, it's ridiculous. Like, the level to which this fucked up was astronomical. But... <laughs> There was at a certain point where they were talking about booking booking the talent for the music festival mm-hmm. that I felt a weird tinge of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, not respect, not resonance, not um, tinge of fear, like, like nerves, anxiety. Um, also, like uh, that's what I was looking for. I could kind of relate to it a little bit <laughs> because like, there's a part where they're talking about like, Oh, the booking, the, like the bands and everything. And like, like they talk about it like briefly, but they're like, you know, you have to worry about, you know, getting the equipment right and getting all the sound right and making sure everything's, everything's going smoothly for them and everything. And I was like thinking like, and granted this is a minuscule comparison, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is me for Sharktober and is this, this is us. Right. This is us during Sharktober and <laughs> Yep. Um and like I kept thinking like as I'm watching I was like, wow, what if like what if we fucked up that bad? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um yeah. And also just as 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 event organizers, I was very uh very offended by his behavior, by Billy's behavior. Right. Garbage human being.
1: Yes, totally.
0: Um but did you <laughs> Stupid Did you connect that in any way to sh- to what we do?
1: <laughs> um, The anxiety a little bit, like, because mm-hmm. I was feeling anxious as well. Like, they were building up to, like, you know, two a month before and two weeks before mm-hmm. and a few days before and the night before. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, my God, there's so much to do. And, like, right. I felt that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, like, I felt that same anxiety with Shocktober. Yeah. When we do that. But this was on a such a huge, much, 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 much bigger scale.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to give away what this was, but there is one scene in the Netflix documentary that it is not touched on in the Hulu one, but it's kind of the one that's a big meme right now. It's the story of the, the event producer guy. Um, and what he was asked to do in order to get the water from customs. Right. Um, in his response to that, like, that was like, like at that moment, and again, let's not spoil it. But at that moment, I was like, holy fucking shit. This is, this is on a whole nother level. Right. Like, this is insanity. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of liked it in terms of like. This is a weird I don't want to say corporate environment but the, like the culture of those organizers and that that group of people and the groups of people involved in in fucking all of this up uh it's just interesting to see like how far that culture erodes at someone's like you know personal identity right right yeah yeah so what did you think of that?
1: Yeah, I was shocked about that. And I had seen the meme a few days before. Yeah. And I was like, Oh well, what? I didn't get it. Um mm-hmm. but now it's the context is very
0: Yeah. Very I saw, potent. I saw one tweet where it was like it was like uh quote, your your student loans are overdue and then me and then just a picture of the guy. Right. Right. That's <laughs> what I was saying. Like, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and just, that's just, it's insane because like the way that it gets to that level, because we've had our fires at Shocktober and Irvington, like we've had very small fires, well, at the time, big, big fires, um, but, but we, to our credit, we have never given any of the people at Shocktober and Irvington bread and cheese, (laughs) Yeah. um, Right, but it's just it's weird, weird. <laughs> um, it's it's fascinating to me to see that level of hectic recounting of the timeline. Yeah, um, and just I I felt like I was there, and I don't know if I don't know if that's because they did such a good job telling the story, or because we have this experience with doing things on a similar like at a similar like type that they did, like putting together a live event. Like that's, that's a thing that we do. Yeah. And like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if I connected to the documentary because it was told so well, or because I could relate on a very small level to it or a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, once they showed the actual scenes from fire festival, um, Mm -hmm. and the FEMA tents and everything like, yeah, it was funny because at the beginning I went into it thinking like, "Oh, this is going to be fun to laugh at these, you know, mm-hmm. rich, privileged losers." Who, or losers, I just called them losers, and the, like I just <laughs> derided Billy McFarlane for doing the same thing. These rich, privileged social media people, yeah, basically willingly entering into a very uh, ridiculously hellish. um Mm -hmm. scenario when they should be on vacation
1: yeah it's funny because like nobody in the documentary is particularly likable right like there's no one like oh i feel so bad for that guy i mean i I feel bad for some of these people but Mm -hmm. it's like like those types of people you just described like the social media star people i don't like them very much i I I don't either i just don't i they're they're kind of annoying and they're just
0: it's in i will okay I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna go ahead and say this, and I think I s- said something similar to it when I talked about, uh, the American meme in potpourri with feckus, or I think it was f- with feckus. Um, but I'm gonna kind of just extrapolate it. Like, the whole idea of like, oh, social media influencer as an mm-hmm. occupation in the idea, and the, the documentary touches on this very well. Um, the idea that like you can, pay an in an instagram person thousand a few thousand dollars and they will post something that promotes your thing Mm -hmm. and like that get like there are so many levels to what is so aggravating to me about that in the state of our culture like on one hand um if, if your occupation is social media influencer like i'm sorry but that what the fuck even is that like watching like the american meme and and watching like like just seeing this type of internet fame come to power as it were um is just so obnoxious to me and so like you can sit there and talk about like how much how hard it is to you know post tweets all day or post these things and like I, I'm st- I'm not I I can't fucking buy into it. I just yeah, can't. I agree. It's like because it's mostly obnoxious, absurd stuff. That's like okay, well, like in the American Meme uh documentary when um the the one woman said that she was having trouble getting auditions and stuff because she's just seen as the girl who sniffed a dog's turd or something something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, on YouTube and like the whole premise is that like uh is that like she's like i i work just as hard and everything it's like okay eh, let's pump the brakes because you know if you want to be looked at as a legitimate like actress and everything you did make a video of you sniffing a dog turd or something like that like it's just it's not like you can't have it both ways like it's it's a shortcut to I talked all about that. In
1: well, yeah, it's like you're trying to transition from one thing to another. Exactly. Like, you're going to have some obstacles. Yeah. Right.
0: But anyway, so the whole idea of social media influencers is just ridiculous to me. And then. It is. Yeah. And then the other level of that, if it, sorry, I, 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 I'm, I hope I'm not real-roading you. It's okay. Um, the other, uh, side of that is the fact that as a culture, like, people like buy into this shit like Mm -hmm. like i said like the one hand like you can pay a couple thousand dollars to someone on instagram they will promote your stuff by posting a just orange tile yeah i think it played a video but it's still like just an orange tile tile to you know keep people from scrolling um that's absurd because that's like that's legit a legit form of pro promotion like one of the talking heads in the hulu documentary i think is like a social media strategist or something like that's her title Mm -hmm. um but the other side of that that's obnoxious and and confusing to me um (laughs) is that people eat that shit up like people will buy into whatever these people are selling on instagram and like it's just it's it's so bizarre the world is me <laughs> you want anything well what's up it made me think of
1: um the whole influencer thing made me think of like the super bowl because mm-hmm. every time every year like around the super bowl there's always news about how much it costs for a 15 second ad mm-hmm. during the super bowl because that is like that was like the the benchmark for eyes in one place right right you know 50 million people around the world or Mm -hmm. however many uh are watching this and so for a 15 second ad they could charge 10 million dollars yeah for 15 seconds and every year it keeps going up and it's just like holy shit it's just insane but then you think about it made me thinking about that made me think of this influencer thing where like the most sought after influencer is one of the car, the Jenners. I don't yeah, remember which um, one. Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner. Okay. She has 140 million followers, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. they pay her 250 grand for one post. Mm-hmm. And, and in one of the documentaries, I think it was the Hulu one, mm-hmm. um, fire fraud. They said like one of the, the marketing ladies was like, I think that's a steal. Yeah. And I was like, it's I just, mean, it kind of is. Yeah. If you spend 10 million dollars on a 15 second ad at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you could have Kendall Jenner post 40 right. Instagram posts and you could and she she has two to three times as many people mm-hmm. looking at it because of her followers. Yeah. But, so, it's yeah. the math is interesting, like I said. It, the, the numbers are interesting is. and it's it's crazy that there's There's it's it's interesting for the companies. There's zero production. You spend ten million dollars on a fifteen-second commercial for the Super Bowl. You also have to spend a million dollars making the ad and like like paying the actors. Just ad time, right? But there's no production at all involved in the the Instagram post. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, Kendall Jenner takes a picture of your thing and posts it. Like that's it. That's all there is. She can do with her phone in ten seconds, and that's what's it's just it's interesting to think about. It is, I agree with all what you said, like the ethics Mm. and the, 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 the effect it's having, you know, is kind of messed up. And it's like, I don't think it's a good thing necessarily, but, uh, it's pretty crazy to think about.
0: It is, it is insane. It is completely insane. I think kind of the issue I take with the world we live in, (laughs) how this has shifted like things in, in that, Arena, is that yes? Companies can spend ten million dollars for ad space on on a Super Bowl, uh, for a Super Bowl commercial, and there will be millions of eyes that see that, and they and like that they'll they'll see that. The reason that they're seeing that though is because they are spectating a sport where these people have done incredible things and worked incredibly hard to get to where they are in mm-hmm. this in this bowl of supers, <laughs> and whereas okay then now now it's like you spend $250,000 so that you know this instagram model who is famous just because she's attractive mm-hmm. um or this internet personality who's famous only because they are posting uh very small like snippets of their life to the internet and people are eating it up as wanting to be like wish fulfillment of wanting to be wanting to be a part of that or wanting to have that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I think that's what gets, what aggravates me the most is that it's, it's predicated on wish fulfillment and what people want. It's an escape in, in a way that I think is more harmful to the culture than the cultural zeitgeist, I guess, than anything else because it's not based on anything that's a, objectively talent-based like it's right or artistic yeah, or artistic in any in yeah. any way and in the cases that it is artistic it's like it's things like okay these kids playing video games that are like having other people watch them play video like it's i right. don't get it at all right but we're getting away from all <laughs> we this. are
1: a little bit we sound like old men
0: we, we really do yeah and uh
1: i will say though yeah. that Supermodels and models in general, actually, that's actually hard work. Yeah, and, and yeah, and but fair. Kendall Jenner, she didn't get there through hard work. Exactly, she might do some hard work. Like you could be doing like a six-hour-long photo shoot, right, out in the ocean. Like that can be hard. Like I'm, that can be hard. Like she, Absolutely, she does that now. But mm. I'm saying the way she got there was not hard work.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and she's
1: not an artist, right? Like, he's just hot.
0: Yeah, and going back to like the American meme, like that one guy, slut whisperer, yeah, stand-up guy. He like he's making a living going to fucking clubs and pouring liquor on like women's breasts. Women's breasts. Yeah. It's like, I sure okay. Why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you, if, if we, if we can get some women in here and, and I can pour liquor on them for the podcast, if that gets me $250,000, sure. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. But, uh, so yeah, so anyway, so you're saying that if you were to see a post on Instagram or a tweet or something, for a festival that you had never heard of, you wouldn't shell out forty five thousand dollars to go see some <laughs> bands play.
1: No, I'm not into music festivals, anyways. No, uh, yeah, me neither. But I'm trying to think of an equivalency. Um, yeah, yeah a film th- festival. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't have mm-hmm. that kind of money, right? Um, but there, I would be interested in a film festival if they yeah. advertised. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I would quote unquote fall for it, right? But
0: so let's say uh, let's let's. Pitch a uh, um, hypothetical. Uh, You see a post on Instagram saying that, and you say you just came into half a million dollars, and so you have you have like you don't have money is not an option. Okay. You see a post on Instagram from just someone, not even someone you follow, just like a promoted thing. um, That's like, oh, this for the first time ever. Uh Martin Scorsese has bought an island that used to be owned by Pablo Escobar <laughs> and it's going to be a 2-day or 10-day like film festival of all of his films and you you're going to get to see all of these women and everything like would you be tempted to go based solely on the promotion on Instagram and it not being like a thing that's been mm. established
1: damn that's a good scenario you laid out actually because i think i might be (laughs) if money were no option if i I I won the lottery (laughs) like yeah that might i might Mm -hmm. uh i don't know yeah i don't i don't know if i could ever like even if i won the hundred million dollar lottery spending 50 grand to go to something like that i would just i don't think i could do it
0: yeah I think the location is what's, what sells it for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If it was like, oh, you know, I buy my plane tickets and get a hotel mm. and then the cost of the festival is like, you know, $500 or $1,000. Right. That's one thing. But like, you get 50 grand to get this villa package and yeah. all that bullshit. I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So, I, but I cannot, I can understand the temptation there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's just not our, not our cup of tea not our cup of tea yeah. um I said that. I really do want to go to Sundance at some point in my life yeah oh I would do that with yeah. like oh, if I was money as oh, an option yeah yeah or like Tribeca or
1: tiff or yes con
0: oh that would be amazing yeah that'd be cool yeah. or even like one of the because like I have <laughs> I have on my phone on my calendar I have uh film festivals mapped out so like mm-hmm. Like, Cleveland International Film Festival is like the first week of May, I think, <laughs> and have that mapped out and everything. So I'm like, when it gets closer, I want to kind of like, touch base with them and say like, hey, you know, you got press passes or something <laughs> I can do. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's funny because it, this is off topic and everything, but we'll transition to the Hulu documentary here in a moment. But, um, Leonard Malton uh famed film critic right. and host of malton on movies uh they he and his daughter jesse are uh and i'm sure more people <laughs> i haven't actually listened to their episode or if they have one that's promoting it but i've seen it on oddly enough on social media and on the internet hmm. uh malton fest is going to happen hmm. in california um, interesting i think it's i think it's going to be in may um but yeah so anyway that's interesting cool um yeah so uh so yeah the netflix documentary overall what you what was your rating and uh i think
1: i gave it an eight out of ten okay. on uh, imdb um you can't rate anymore on netflix just
0: the thumbs up and thumbs
1: down yeah. so um letterboxd i don't I think i gave it three and a half i think you gave it four i, think I gave it four yeah four yeah.
0: now remember. i gave it three and a half on on letterboxd and uh <laughs> I liked it. I, 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 really, like I said, I appreciated the, how it handled the timeline and everything and the candid nature of it. All of the footage and everything. Um, yeah. that's so dumb. Uh, toward the end of it, there's a conference call. I'm so sorry, everyone, <laughs> but I'm not even looking at Tiny when I say this in the microphone. There's a conference call in which, uh, Ja Rule is heard saying, um, that was like one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that was, that was a really good part, but he's like, he's like look the the fact is no one got hurt or anything no one died um and then someone said like yeah but it's fraud yeah and then job ja rolls like it's not fraud it's just false advertising right and in my head it's <laughs> literally like, the
1: definition of yeah, fraud <laughs>
0: oh absolutely yeah but like i want someone to cut that and be like it's i can't even look at you um <laughs> it's not fraud it's murder <laughs> 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 that's great <laughs> uh but yeah and it's funny because he has come out and like he's been lambasting the documentaries and saying yeah. that he didn't have any part of it or anything right there's footage
1: and like the both documentaries like it's very clear you were on the all hands on deck meeting <laughs> exactly you were on the conference call dude <laughs> it's
0: ridiculous yeah. um but maybe this is maybe this is a question for after we talk about the Hulu documentary but do you feel like your enjoyment of the documentary or interest in the Netflix documentary was colored at all by the fact that you watched the Hulu one first or do you think you would have had more gotten more out of it if you watched the Netflix one first or how did you think how do you feel that that factored into your viewing uh,
1: like initially like as I was watching the Netflix one um, the first half or so mm-hmm. I was feeling like, yeah, there's a lot of repeat here. This is still good, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff I already know from the Hulu one. Um, But then the second half, or maybe the last third of it, the last act, if you will, I kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, I think there was a lot more meat in that part of it. Yeah. There wasn't in the Hulu one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about without talking about both of them and the controversies around it. Right. we kind of need to get to that part. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that more in the when we talk about that okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah so that's the Netflix documentary Fire the the greatest party that never happened and now we're going to talk about the Hulu documentary Fire Fraud mm-hmm. which premiered on Hulu a couple days before the Netflix documentary dropped um, I didn't prompt this in, in our previous one but here's a clip from the trailer to get you guys acquainted with it again we're going to do a non-spoiler discussion as best we can Fire Festival was supposed to be uh, the new Coachella, the new Burning Man. Exclusivity with access to premier talent. It was going to be
2: an experience bordering on impossible. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? This is our world. Oh, God.
1: Nightmare in Paradise. There was no music.
0: They were put into disaster relief tents. People started to have breakdowns. People started to have panic attacks. No idea what they were doing. It was also a health concern that there were people literally trapped on an island. It was a shit show. Just chaos and panic.
2: It's a great time to be a con man in America. Whatever it takes, we are all in, and let's go make this happen.
0: All right, so that was the the trailer for Fire Fraud. And, uh, Tiny, I... (sighs) I feel like I watched these in the correct order. (laughs) Okay. I was happy that I watched the Netflix documentary first because that documentary in, for my taste was so much, so much more coherently pieced together. Like it follows a, a specific timeline, a specific point of view. It, it lays out everything that happened. And I felt like the Hulu documentary in contrast to that was more, Uh, loose and it was, it had more of a comedic tilt to it that having seen the Netflix one, which we didn't even talk about this, like it ends on kind of a serious note. That's Mm -hmm. like talking about the, uh, the people in the Bahamas who were devastated by this, by this whole thing. Right. Um, whereas when that, when that particular thing is brought up in the Hulu documentary, it's at the end and it's like a title card and it's Mm -hmm. played over, you know, um, build me up buttercup <laughs> like yeah. it's just a goofy like comedic spin on it yeah um so i think watching the netflix documentary which is a more serious tone which by the way did you notice did they use some of the soundtrack from the social network for the netflix documentary or was that just like a sound alike score i didn't notice okay because i because like the whole time it's like subtle but the whole time i'm sitting there i'm like i watched watch like a I would watch like a David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> yeah. film about this. Oh, totally. Yeah, I would um, watch it in a
1: heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel of the two, the Netflix one was better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was more cohesive. Like you said, the the timeline was better. I think there was more detail in it. Um, but what I liked, I, I think it's good to see both. And what I think the Hulu one did better is they laid out all of the social media and promotion in the mm-hmm. first part of the documentary. Um, I think they the way they laid out how that works mm-hmm. and the like. I said the economy behind that, um, how that industry, how that industry works of you know pay, paying influencers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, Um, the juggernaut that is Instagram. I think that was really interesting to me and really fascinating. Like I said, we, we talked about it a lot and it's, I think it's like a little, little bit toxic and it's a, it's a strange phenomenon that that's how advertising works now and stuff like that. But I really appreciated the way they laid out how. That was the documentary where they talked about, you know, how Kendall Jenner gets two hundred and fifty grand grand right. for one post and that's just incredible. And mm-hmm. the marketing lady said that that was like it's that was a steal. Right. Two hundred and fifty grand. I was like, what? How can that possibly be? And I was like, she could do three posts a day and make, you know mm-hmm. she could do four posts a day and make a million dollars a day. That's insane, yeah. right? Um and so just that that information was really staggering and I feel like they they laid that out better. In Fire Fraud, the Hulu documentary, than they did in the Netflix one, and I appreciate yeah, that a little bit.
0: I was, I'll I'll agree with you there. I I think that my disconnect with that portion of the documentary, that aspect of the documentary, is that it was the part of the gr- the whole story of Fire Festival, like that particular piece of that story, was just not. A- as uh, of as much interest to me as the greater scope of like the disaster of fire, fire fest. Okay. Um, and so, and also like I said in my, uh, as I alluded to earlier, I said in my review for the Hulu, uh, documentary for fire fraud, um, let's see. I said, okay. Uh, I'll just read an excerpt. Uh, Hulu's doc also makes far too much of an effort to wax philosophic on the millennial generation's obsession with image, fomo parentheses if i have to hear that dumbass word again i may scream <laughs> i hate it too uh yeah and the power of social media influencers uh parentheses that one too um, <laughs> but it's it's that's the do- that portion of the documentary is what kind of made me like kind of boil over with like just aggravation at just the state of promotion and everything. Oh, me too. I was aggravated as shit, but I, and I knew a little bit of that and
1: like how it worked. But like, again, I think the details of that economy and how that all Mm -hmm. runs just fascinated the shit out of me. Sure. And it it pissed me off too, especially they, they, Mm -hmm. they interviewed a few influencers. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, it was funny, I think they, they talked to like three of them and they were like they were they were like, So what, what what's your brand about and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Like people refer to themselves as a brand. I'm like Jesus I'd Christ. wanna backhand them. Yeah. Um and like every single one of them was like, oh, my brand's about like positivity and oh like my good God, vibes. Yes. I was like, No one's brand is about negativity. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you even say that like, that goes right. without saying? What's your brand really about? Yeah. Quote unquote. You don't have a fucking answer because it's just you being a narcissist. It, yes. That's what it is. <laughs> Fuck that's that's awesome. they literally document everything yes. that happens to them that that it drove me nuts, yeah, like, but the, it was really fascinating to the, me. Way just, the way that you just the
0: way that you just boiled that down is like the perfect <laughs> summation for all of the annoyed feelings I've had about this whole yeah. aspect of, of
1: Everything. (laughs) The one hashtag that you can put on every single one of your posts (laughs) that fits to every single one of your posts is hashtag narcissism.
0: Exactly.
1: That's it. God.
0: And that's it's. What's interesting is that it attracts like people like Billy McFarland, who is a narcissist himself. He is a sociopath who is just. He has no moral compass as to what he's doing is right or wrong, mm-hmm. and he is he's remorseless with it. Like, and one of the big selling points for Fire Fraud was that they got Billy McFarland to in an interview, right? And I feel like that that they annoyed. paid him. Yeah, that was the yeah, big. That's that was the controversial the thing. thing. Yeah, but also. It felt like they were just lobbing softballs at him throughout well, I don't almost think, the entire time.
1: I agree with you. I'm sorry I didn't mean to did cut you off. Oh no, you're fine. I agree with you. I think they were, but I don't think he was giving them anything.
0: And that's the thing.
1: Like that's what like, they t- that's what they touted so much about this documentary, yeah. like, oh, we interviewed the guy. Right. And he's in the movie. Yeah. And I think But he doesn't say a goddamn. He doesn't thing. say anything. He doesn't give him anything. He doesn't yeah. even he doesn't even save any face for himself right. at all. And I think the reason that Everything seemed like a softball's because when they asked him anything hard, mm-hmm. he literally didn't say anything. Right.
0: He shut down. He went out for a break.
1: He like never made yeah. eye contact with the interviewer. Right. Like he was like a kid that got sent to the principal's office. Right. That's what he looked exactly. like the whole time. And I was like, they wasted their fucking yeah, money. I mean, oh,
0: absolutely. And I and yeah. Not only that, they wasted and even they he gave them a golden opportunity. Right. Like they had no. I don't want to say journalistic integrity or anything. They, they didn't have like, I think back to like something, I mean, this is a much more serious story and everything, but like the jinx or Mm -hmm. like, like really hard hitting documentaries. Like you get the interview with a subject that is at the heart of a controversy or it has done negative, horrible things. -hmm. That has that has cost people lots of money. Some their life savings, and and they there is no like restitution in place, or there's no like there's no hope for that or anything. So you have this subject, but first of all, you're just you're talking about like his mentor and how he was affected when he mysteriously died. And like talking about his, like, oh, he was an entrepreneur when he was in second grade. Like, okay, (laughs) he also defrauded a bunch of fucking people. He's a fucking monster. Absolutely. Like, don't fucking sugarcoat this for us. But then toward the end, they, he's, he, uh, I wouldn't say bites back really, but like he kind of challenges them in a way. Mm -hmm. And then the movie just squanders that because it doesn't, like, it's, it has their cake and eats it too. Like, they, he challenges them with a question, and then instead of the documentarians or someone in the room, like, pointing out specifically to him why he is categorically wrong about something, mm-hmm. they play it, they play, they play audio and, and videos of it after the fact. Like, in post-production, they put that in there. And right. it's supposed to be, like, the damning piece of the documentary. And I'm like, I saw this shit in the Netflix one, and you had him there in a room like right granted like it's not like they you know saw the Netflix one or whatever but it's like you know maybe take a take him break make a list of the things that he's lied about and yeah. then tell him that like right. see how he reacts like that's your job as documentarians
1: right i agree and it should yeah. have been like First of all, I don't know when they paid him, but they should have only paid him after the interview. Yeah. Um, And so they should have sat there and been like, okay, if you get up and leave in the middle of this, we're not paying you. And they should have said was this fraud? Why did you do this? What's this? What actually happened with all this money? Ask him all those super hard questions. Right. And I assume he would have just sat there and be like, oh, I can't comment on that during it yeah. because there's an ongoing investigation. Like, oh, I can't comment on that. I think I of my lawyers. Oh, I can't comment on that. But you sit there and you ask him the hard questions mm-hmm. and you see the bullshit pour off his face. Yeah. And it was, like you said, it wasn't, it just wasn't hard hitting in that, right. in that regard. And they, they missed an opportunity, like you said. So that was, it's funny they sp- they spent money on that and they yeah. they had the opportunity and it's like they mm-hmm. they kind of squandered it so. yeah
0: and it's just and it's just so so gross that they spent yeah, money like right. it's so gross that they paid him to be in their documentary yeah knowing that he did this to tons of people mm-hmm. um it's just and and like his whole thing is that he is a con artist who. Swindles people out of money, and like these filmmakers gave him, like what one hundred twenty five thousand? I didn't know. I
1: didn't know what the number was. It was like
0: something absurd, like that, like one hundred twenty thousand or something like that. Wow. Um, I think. And then again,
1: I was thinking like twenty grand or something. No. that's awful.
0: Then again, let me let me verify that. Okay. But I did read, and it's all kind of I don't know it. The whole thing about them paying him is kind of a little tricky itself. Um, like, I guess that that's, um, not necessarily up in the air, but like, um, basically Netflix, uh, Netflix approached Billy McFarlane to have him appear in their documentary. Mm -hmm. And Billy McFarlane told Netflix that he had been paid a hundred. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Basically here here's a quote um, uh, director Chris Smith from from the Netflix documentary uh said quote We were aware of the Hulu production because we were supposed to film Billy McFarlane for an interview. He told us that they were offering two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an interview. He asked us if we would pay him one hundred and twenty five thousand. Um and after spending time with so many people who had such a negative impact on their lives from their experience on fire, it felt particularly wrong for us to uh, – to us for him to be benefiting. It was a difficult decision, but we had to walk away for that reason. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of – I don't know. It, and then the fire fraud director apparently said that McFarland was paid but not $250,000, um, which falls in line with – he is as a person as a person yeah yeah well then the controversy
1: with the hulu one fire fraud mm-hmm. is that or no i'm sorry the controversy the with the one. the netflix one fire is yeah. that uh the producers of it are the guys from jerry media who yeah. were kind of i would i would say like fourth or fifth in line as far as like high up in the fire festival community. Yeah. Um, they were in charge of the promotion mm-hmm. for the whole festival. They were hired yeah. to do
0: that. And they're depicted as like in the Netflix one is being as in the dark as everyone else. Right.
1: Right. And yeah. so I, at first I kind of thought there was more controversy with that one, with the Netflix one, mm-hmm. because it's like, well, this is basically just an opportunity for them to, save as much face as possible and shift all the blame onto Billy Mm McFarland and Grant and Ja Rule, whoever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty exploitative too. And it's like, I I was against it, but they interviewed a lot of those guys from Jerry media Mm And I didn't feel like I was being conned or swindled. I genuinely feel like, especially the one dude who was supposed to be like the yoga guy who <laughs> yeah. was at the festival, like he was, he was a douchebag, yeah, but he
0: was, but he was kind of a down-earth an, douchebag and, and kind of
1: that. a nice douchebag. Yeah. Like, like
0: one of the parts that I really liked about that was when he talks about the email that he sent. Right. That's exactly yeah. what I was going
1: to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. How he basically raised, raised issues several mm-hmm. times with Billy McFarlane and several other people and like investors and stuff like that. And they would respond and be like, okay, first of all, don't include investors on the emails. Right. I was like, okay, that's a big red flag. And they basically, at one point he said, and this is where I sort of felt sorry for him in a way is that they were like dangling his salary in front Mm -hmm. of him because they like 70% of his salary for this job Mm -hmm. was going to be paid after the festival was over. Right. So he had to basically pay along for his own lively play along for his own mm-hmm. livelihood and that's a screwed up thing to do to a person and it's like i can understand where he would just be like all right well i'm just going to keep my head down and do my job till this is all over so i can get my money and you know i don't i don't fault him like i do billy mcfarland so yeah and I, like i think the culpability of those guys is i i don't hold them personal yeah. or hold them accountable really
0: it's negligible Compared to Billy's, right? You know, right. Uh, Heinousness, yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I one of the things that bothered me about the Netflix one, in retrospect, was that I literally had no idea that Jerry Media or fuck Jerry or whatever it is, um, internet. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that they were involved as producers on that, on the Netflix one Mm -hmm. until they referenced it in the Hulu one. And like, even then, like when they said like, and there's, there's two documentaries and one's produced by Jerry media. I was like, there's a third documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought, like I, I didn't know. And like the thing that troubles me in retrospect about the Netflix one is that they are like, it interviews people from Jerry media, but it doesn't tell us that they're involved in the production. Yeah. That is like that is where the ethics get very, very shaky. Yeah. Um It's a little unethical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To not disclose that to yeah. your audience, right? Yeah. Um but I, I think it is I like how it was weird. I don't know if the Hulu documentary was like I feel like they weren't as hard on Billy McFarland as the Netflix one was. Totally agree. And I think I think naturally you would just think well the Jerry media guys are trying to shift as much blame as possible off themselves and on to Billy McFarland mm-hmm. to make themselves look better. But I I think the thing is 98% or 99% of the fault truly does fall on Billy McFarland's shoulders. Yeah. Like I don't think the Hulu documentary got away with anything or like, you know, I don't even think they tried to like put blame on the Jerry media guys. I think they were, they just weren't as quite as harsh on Billy McFarland as the Netflix one was.
0: And I agree. And like in the grand scheme of things, like on one hand, okay, smearing Billy McFarland uh, in the Netflix documentary versus uh, exposing that Jerry Media is involved in the production of the Netflix one. Like, okay, you can, you can spin that as being like, oh, this is what, like, they're, they're being, uh, Jerry Media is just doing this just to deflect attention. But it's also like, they're also showing us footage from, like, the planning stages that show, that, that shows that Billy McFarlane is just not a good person and is completely yeah. culpable in He's a criminal. crime. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm just like you can't. You can spin it all you want, but you can't run away from that because it's just it's demonstrated clear as day through footage right, right. that he's that he's a criminal and a con artist and he is morally bankrupt and uh, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, that's one. One of the I think what the Netflix one laid out better as well is the. Like you talked about at the end, where all of the mm-hmm. employees, the the Bahmanian employees, yeah. were just completely fucked over. Mm-hmm. Especially the one lady who was like a caterer or a restaurant yeah. restaurateur. I think she
0: like owned a restaurant or something, right? She I'm talking about
1: her life savings. Yeah, she lost like, fifty grand of her own fuck. money. Pay, she and it's funny because she did the right thing. Yeah, she could have gone to her employees and been like, "Look, they never gave me any money. I'm sorry, right. I can't pay you." She went into her own money to pay those people for a good mm-hmm. for an honest day's work. Yeah, at her own. She did the right thing, and when it was time for her to get her money, the people who should have done the right thing didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like she she's an amazing per- – I don't even remember her name, which is terrible. I um, don't um, But she, she's an amazing person for doing the right thing in that yeah. situation, and hell I yeah. respect the hell out of her for it. And she's like, well, I'm just going to move on to the next thing because – you know, I can't dwell on this because it's only going to affect my future or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, God, you're a better person than me. Right. I hope she's involved in that class action lawsuit. Oh, me too. I hope all those workers yeah. are. And they said that it was like 250 grand that were owed to those workers. <laughs> I was like, that's
0: it. Yeah. For like yeah. two, three months of work, it should be like a million and a half, two million. Like that's, that's potentially like one appearance in a Hulu documentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> According to Billy McFarlane. Uh, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, um, but I'll go, I'll go ahead and say this now. When we do our uh, Scorsese Film Festival in the Bahamas, we will pay every <laughs> ba- Bahamian contractor for their work. Um, <laughs> oh god anyway um patreon (laughs) (laughs) patreon
1: yeah um hey patreon's honest (laughs) yes we might be whores but we're honest about it. (laughs)
0: exactly and we also record special content specifically for patreon subscribers we do yeah um so yeah so to kind of wind down i think Mm -hmm. um oh uh, the the kind of comedic slant that the hulu documentary takes um I was really annoyed. Well, not really annoyed. I was mildly perturbed by the amount of just clips from TV shows that they used in it.
1: Like, no, that didn't stand out for me. I don't
0: really. Oh, yeah. like in, like they, like they hit it kind of hard. Like they, like, okay, one person is like, um, it's basically what he, what he was doing was basically Entertainment 720 from Parks and Rec, and then it shows a clip from Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. And like that, that one example is a poor example, cause I actually kinda like that, cause I was like, eh, that's a good comparison, but it's like, mm-hmm. they're talking about like, oh, social media and stuff, and then it shows Aziz Sorry, like, oh, I check Twitter and Tumblr and everything, it's like.
1: They did do that a lot, didn't they?
0: Yeah, and like, something that, um, the, uh, in her review of the Hulu documentary, which I'll link in the show notes, uh, Christy Puchko over at pajiba.com, uh, pointed out that like, like all the stuff, all the clips that they showed were stuff that you can see on Hulu. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: that's funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah.
0: Huh. Which I mean, granted, like, I'm sure that's just, they're easy. It's easy to get the rights to show that in a documentary, but it's also yeah. like, okay, that feels a little disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like, I don't know, it, it just felt, it didn't feel as well put together as the Netflix documentary did right. for me. Yeah, to kind of wrap it up,
1: I think the Netflix one is the better of the two. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty objectively clear. Right. But I really think the Hulu one is worth a watch, J- just to see Billy McFarlane squirm a little.
0: Yeah, and also, like, there's there are things in, like, there are things that... Uh, there's a lot of repetition and overlap and everything, but there are things in the Netflix documentary that aren't covered in the Hulu documentary. There are things in the Hulu documentary that are not covered in the Netflix documentary. So honestly, I would recommend seeing both of them. Right. I mean, they're both 90 minutes. It's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, totally. Um. Yeah. So do we have anything more to say on that? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm proud to announce that we are hosting um, a Scorsese Film Festival. $40,000 <laughs> gets you a ticket. Um,
1: there's going to be a pirate ship. There's,
0: <laughs> there's going to be a pirate ship, a treasure hunt. Um, <laughs> there's going to be Emily Radzikowski, um, Kendall Jenner. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. Bella um, Hadid. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't heard of a lot of those I, people. Me neither, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I heard of, I heard of Emily Roszakowski. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which it's funny cause she's like only one of them that's actually been in a movie. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it was a shit movie. Yeah. She's been in Gone is Girl. She? Is that what you're talking about? Oh no, no, no. I was talking about, um, Oh God, what is, uh, we are your friends. Oh, I didn't see that yeah, one. Yeah. I, I, I remember did. you telling me about yeah, that. It yeah. It was terrible. Um, yeah, it's it's Zach Efron as an EDM DJ- Right, yeah, I remember. Version of 8 Mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, we actually reviewed it on the podcast, I think. Yeah, I remember you talking yeah. about it. Yeah, anyway, um, so yeah, that's, that does it for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, gun to your head, Netflix or Hulu. Netflix. Netflix. Okay, Netflix for me too. So, Fire. Yes, so watch Fire the Gun. What? gun to your head fire gun. oh god anyway uh that was dark i'm dead now um, oh, uh, uh, bang. um <laughs> okay so to wind down the episode uh, the, by the way, those were our reviews of the Netflix and Hulu documentaries. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You can stream them on Netflix and Hulu. Um, And I think to wind down, we're going to do a potpourri section. Tiny, are we good on time?
1: Yes, yeah, a quick one. Okay, a yes. Potpourri.
0: Okay, so I'll bring up one thing. You bring up one thing. Sure. Um For first-time listeners, potpourri is a section of the podcast where we kind of wind things down, talk about whatever we want, things that we've seen lately, things that we're looking forward to, anything we want, as long as it smells good, it's potpourri. So, Tiny, what do you have for potpourri this week?
1: Yes, I have a, uh, to stick with the theme, I have a documentary show that I recently got into on uh, Netflix. It's called QB1. um, Behind the lights or after the lights? I can't remember what the the subtitle is. Um, But it is a documentary series uh, that is produced by uh, Peter Berg. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond the lights, QB one beyond the lights. Uh, Peter Berg is a big fan of the high school footing balls, Mm -hmm. um, as evidenced by Friday night lights, the film Mm -hmm. and the TV show that he produced. Mm -hmm. Um, so he likes high school football and this show follows the three highest ranked, uh, high school football quarterbacks in the country. And it follows them through like their last, their senior season of their high school football careers. Um, and just, It follows them through their whole season, and it's like it's very – it demonstrates really well the pressure um, that these kids are under, which is kind of crazy. And I think it um, – being a quarterback is often described as the most difficult position in sports. Oh, interesting. Most difficult position to play. any, Any sport you could ever play, the most difficult position you could ever play as a quarterback.
0: Really? Yep, that's what they say. Holy, th- I, right. that blows my mind a little yeah. bit. Huh.
1: The decision-making, the
0: athleticism,
1: all that stuff is really, you have to be a leader. Like, there's so mm. many. And I think this uh, this documentary depicts that pretty well. Interesting. Because um, like, these are like 17, 18-year-old kids, and they are like, kind of also sticking with the team, have thousands of followers on Twitter mm. and Instagram and all that stuff. And it's like, they're interviewed on the radio and on television, Jeez. and it's like, they're you know, like, uh, there's a kid who goes to a high school in, uh, Las Vegas, uh, Bishop Gorman High School, mm-hmm. and they have won, they won like two or three national titles in a row, wow. which I forgot that's even a thing that you can <laughs> win a national title. Um, Jesus. they haven't lost a game in like three or four years and they go to other states and beat the shit out of their best teams. And
2: that's nuts.
1: They're just really ridiculously good. Like their first three games of the year, they went to California, Texas, and one other state, they traveled there to play like their best team and beat the shit out of wow. them. Wow. Yeah, they're just ridiculously good. To um, go back
0: to another episode, have they ever gone to Alaska to play? A team? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: think so. Okay. Don't think they have. Um, <laughs> but it's weird. Las Vegas is random. Yeah, it's random oh, yeah. here. It's a Las Vegas high school, but, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, their quarterback Tate Martell, uh, ended up going to Ohio State. Um, he just transferred to Miami though. Um, there's a whole thing there. I won't get into it. Okay. Um, and then like, Okay, uh, there's a guy in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, Tavon Bowers, I think is his name. He plays for Wake Forest now, which is yeah. funny because Wake Forest is not good at football. Uh, <laughs> and he's like one of the best quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks in the country, and he goes to Wake Forest. It was just a weird choice. Hmm. Um, and then who was... Oh, the third kid is uh, Jake Fromm. He's uh, from Warner Robins, Georgia. Ooh. He currently plays for Georgia University and was this close to making the playoff this year wow. as a sophomore. Um huh. in college. He's a he's a really good quarterback. Jesus. Yeah, he's he's good jake from so wow. and he's the most likable of the three i think okay so but it's, it's really interesting because like uh the kid from las vegas is a fucking shithead like he i just, was just gonna ask. he's a dick i can't like he huh. they they've they traveled to texas to play like one of the best teams in texas mm-hmm. and he they hate him in texas because he originally committed to texas a&m okay but then he pulled out <clears throat> and decided to go to ohio state instead and so they hated him for that reason and like he just he loves to be on social media And they were, like, talking shit about how much they hate him and everything. And, like, during the game, he had his aunt or something get on his Twitter and, like, talk shit about Texas, the whole state of Texas. And, like, they won the game. And after the game, he, like, shared a picture on social media of him superimposing the state of Nevada over Texas. Okay. I was like, I fucking hate
0: this I'll be honest. That's a (laughs) shit. Like, he sounds like a shithead. But that's also kind of a baller move. It is. <laughs> like, it it it's, is. It's kind of...
1: <laughs> yeah. It is. But he's a little shit. Yeah. And my in-laws and my wife are huge Ohio State fans. Right. And like as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that he's going to Ohio State. <laughs> he's a cocky little bastard. <laughs> um, but it's funny because Jake Fromm is totally totally likable. Nice. All-American. Really good-looking kid. Mm. Very talented. Smart. Just enjoyable person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really fascinating to see them and like I just, I'm, like I think back to when I played high school football and like, I just went to Taco Bell after the game, you know? (laughs) Wasn't a big deal and like it was a huge part of my life and I loved it. It was amazing. One of the best times of my life, but like, I can't imagine trying to take on the responsibility that these kids do. It's Yeah. It's nuts. It, yeah. it kind of blows me
0: away. That's so. why I only played football for one year in high school. Yeah, that's can, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of pressure on you.
0: Yep, yep. I remember. Yeah. Get in, just get out on top. So <laughs>
1: <Yep. laughs> that's called QB One on Netflix. There's two seasons. I'm okay. watching um, the first season, obviously. So I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm really enjoying it. It's
0: nice. how many episodes is it? Do you know? I think
1: can? it's Ten. Okay. I'm not even sure.
0: Is it a Netflix original series? Yes. Or? yes. Okay. Yeah, it Interesting. is. So, have you seen any of the other like football documentaries on there? Like, there's yeah, called like Undefeated. I haven't watched that
1: one. Okay. Uh, Paige and I watched the whole first season of Last Chance U. Oh yeah. And we watched part of the second season. That's really good too. I I
0: really, when I first came, when when that one first came out, like the first season, Mm -hmm. I remember. I think I mentioned to you, or I wanted to mention to you, like we should review this on the podcast, right? And just never happened. Never happened. But you might, you might enjoy it as well. I really, I really, I really want to (laughs) check it out. Isn't it not it like people that like have like like no other prospects and everything?
1: Well, no, it's about this college in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. Mississippi. One of the. To one of those two, it's a okay. very poor Southern state. Sure. Um, and it is the, it's like the best junior college in the country for mm-hmm. division one schools to recruit from. okay. Like they, for whatever reason, they're super successful and they like win, mm-hmm. win junior college national champions, championships. And so other, uh, big name colleges like Alabama, Auburn, mm-hmm. Ohio state, like they will come to that junior college to recruit kids. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's like it's like the most successful junior college mm-hmm. football program in the country. Yeah. Um and it, like it's a lot of kids are there cuz they a lot of kids end up there because they were like this one kid like was at Penn State as a freshman mm-hmm. but he got kicked off the team for like smoking weed and stuff. Oh, so he goes there for a season or two and gets his image cleaned up mm-hmm. and then he can he gets recruited to another school again. Uh That's interesting. There's another kid from Texas Tech who like was involved in an assault or something like that. So he got kicked off the team. He goes there and then he gets picked back up by another school again. Hmm. That one's really fascinating because... I, college football is my favorite sport to follow. I love college football. Right. And I have a lot of issues with the way it's ran, like Mm. the whole scholarship thing. Like it's, uh, you just know, it's kind of like Washington DC. You know, it's super fucking dirty. Yeah. They're just giving these kids money. You know, it's super dirty. And they kind of address that a little bit in the show. And it's, it's not like a tongue in cheek or like behind the thing. It's like there's some, some blatant shit of like illegal recruiting and like, yeah, it's, Huh. So it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check both of those out.
1: Definitely. Nice. I think um, you'd find them interesting.
0: Sweet. <clears throat> Anyways, um, what's yours? Okay, so my potpourri to round to round us out, um is I'm make a stupid joke. Um No, not you. Yeah. It's uh the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie starring Felicity Jones. Yes. Um a lot of people are getting the the title wrong. It's actually called on the basis of <laughs> sex. <laughs> um <laughs> sorry um okay so on the basis of sex i okay i'll start out by just saying that i saw this movie after work at the theater um i did bring a change of clothes to work so i was like all fresh but um i don't know why i said that (laughs) okay gross but uh but like i wasn't like i I, because you know Work all day, go to the movie theater. It's like sit for t- another two hours watching something, watching a <laughs> screen when at work all day I'm sitting in front of a computer just doing stuff. Yeah. Um, it can be kind of draining, but having a change of clothes is like, you know, it's kind of, you know, refreshing and everything. Yep, I get it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I went to the theater and like I, first of all, I got there way early. <laughs> like I got off work at Three thirty? no four i get left work at four um the movie didn't start till five ten. oh geez <laughs> and so like i went to the theater got my concessions and like got like essentially dinner at the concessions mm-hmm. um and then like i went to the theater thinking like okay well you know the pre-roll stuff is going to start here in like probably 10 minutes or so mm-hmm. um and then, like, I walk into the theater and I notice, like, oh, there's music playing and stuff. And I look and it's like the end credits from the previous showing. Oh my God. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to wait a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm sitting there just with my little, uh, my little, uh, pizza from the concession stand just sitting there. And then, like, they clean the theater and then I go in and sit down. I'm sitting there in the dark for, like, total, of, like, 25 minutes before the <laughs> pre roll stuff starts. Mm-hmm. I eat my pizza and everything. And it's just, I was just like, okay. So the movie starts and I like I liken it to Green Book, which you haven't seen Green Book. I right? haven't. Have I you haven't. have I talked to you about Green Book? Yeah, and I've read it? I've yeah.
1: read a lot of the controversy too. Yeah,
0: it's like it's just I I'm so over that, like I'm, it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to post my review of Green Book on ObsessiveViewer.com soon, but uh, but check it out on Letterboxd also. But anyway, um, on the basis of sex is the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was a uh, lawyer. Um, and that that's the thing. I was really tired, so like I like about ten to fifteen minutes into the movie, I started thinking like I could just leave and go home. Like I, I could spend. Mm-hmm my time doing something. Like, I could go home and go to sleep. Um, cause I was just really tired and drained, especially cause this was the, this was Tuesday after I had Monday off for Martin Luther King day and I took Friday off. So like, I was like <laughs> four day weekend and then right back into work a full day and then go to see a movie. Like that was a terrible decision.
1: Yeah. I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. But even if I was at my, at my 100%, I don't think I would have liked the movie. Okay. Um, and it's specifically because, um, um, on the basis of sex is a very, um, safe movie. It, it's like, it's, it's very cookie cutter, and I'm gonna actually probably just pull for my review, cause it's, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know how to say it, cause, uh, first of all, let me just be frank. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a freaking hero. She's, a, she's yeah. amazing. She's an icon. Definitely. And, like, but I think that I'm just really over this, this type of movie where it's pandering. It's like, it's a movie depicting something that is, like, it's being depicted specifically for the audience that supports it. And like, it, like, no, no one's gonna go into on the basis of sex and think like, oh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a terrible person. Um, and then come out of it with a changed mind. It's like, no one's gonna see the movie that, like, a misogynist isn't gonna see yeah. the movie and and suddenly we turn around. This movie is made for people who love and respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg and and the ideals that she represents and everything. Mm-hmm. And it is playing so much into that hand that um like it, it's a it, it's a celebration of her under the guise of a, of a of a drama of her of her first like big case and and her first like um Th- this landmark case that she, that she was involved in. And it spends so much time celebrating the idea of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that anytime there's any type of drama in this actual story, it feels so out of left field and out of place that it's just, it doesn't mesh well at all. Yeah. No, that sucks. Yeah. And it's just, and it's the type of movie that that's made all the time. Like it's, it's a Oscar bait, um, not cheesy but just very safe drama and very uh pandering to to wide audience to a wide audience right and it's the same kind of deal with like green book and um uh (laughs) i think in our patreon thing i brought up the theory of everything which also has felicity jones Mm -hmm. um same kind of thing like it's just I, i i don't know i'm just tired of this like in my review i said uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an icon and her accomplishments are staggering on the basis of sex spends so much energy celebrating her as an, as an icon that any drama depicted in this particular story feels out of place. Literally already said, um, RGB deserves a better movie that does a better, more honest job of depicting her rise on the basis of sex. Isn't it?
1: I think there's a documentary about her on Hulu. on, On Hulu. That's supposed to be pretty good. Yep.
0: Uh, RGB. It was actually nominated for best documentary. Feature. Wasn't okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna watch that. But yeah, just the movies. I, I think it's just at, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like I'm just over this type of this type of I wouldn't say docudrama, but like this type of inflated celebratory historical drama that's more celebration than drama or honest depiction really i, know what you're I don't talking know if about. i'd say honest depiction but go ahead. i know what you're
1: talking about and it's hard it is hard to define isn't it yeah like i can't it's like a feel like a, it's like a feel-good movie yeah exactly that shouldn't be
0: yeah and well and there's nothing wrong with like feel-good movies right but like with with on the basis of sex it's it wasn't like offensively feel-good or anything like it i didn't feel like uh, i don't know like the movie does it, it's kind of a sort of backhand not not backhanded but i don't think this is intentional at all but like the opening scene is felicity jones who is she's an attractive young woman Mm -hmm. and like it's just her like in a daze because she's at harvard harvard law and she's like walking around and she's just she has like this these doe-eyed like like oh i can't believe i'm here kind of thing and like it's that's fine but it's also like it's weird. It's kind of weird because like there's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a, as a subject, as a strong, a strong woman uh, with, with an incredible like story and everything. Mm-hmm. But the movie is depicting her as this like wide eyed, you know, cute person. It's not like, it's not like a sexualized thing or it's not like, right. it's not like a, uh, um, just physical kind of thing, but it's just like kind of a cliche. A, a cliche, and it's like yeah. it's pandering to a broad audience that's going to be like, "Oh, look at that!" But when it should be like, you know, "Hey, this is you know someone who is you know worthy of uh, you a know living legend." Yeah, and it's just I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a shame because I love Felicity Jones. Oh, me too. And yeah. like I, I like I hope that she does more. Stuff like I mean yeah. theory of everything uh, and she was good in on the basis of sex or I'm sorry on the basis of <laughs> sex um but like that and like the theory of everything and rogue one she was great in, but mm-hmm. I don't know uh, and she was also good in uh oh no was she in no I don't I can't think of what else she was in I'm tired yeah <laughs> um but yeah, anyway um yeah, uh anything else uh no well we're super quick
1: Paige and i have been watching the shield
0: okay i on hulu (laughs) i saw because i like i because like on your tv it doesn't let you switch profiles so like the default is my profile which is fine Uh so like i'll see like continue watching and i'll like see oh the shield and like i looked and i was like season one episode 11 carnivores oh cool (laughs) um so i'm like i I, like i'll check and see like have they watched anymore yeah (laughs) uh how's that going
1: it's going great she's nice. really I, I knew she was gonna like it and thankfully mm-hmm. she she really is she's watch she's probably watching it right now nice so yeah nice yeah i've been enjoying it too because i haven't watched that i kind of shelved that show for a few years yeah so I, I watched through the whole thing twice and so like i wanted mm-hmm. to give it some time off and it's been a good four or five plus years Nice. so it's it's nice. it's it's fun revisiting it yeah
0: i still i really need to get the blu-ray but how was the hd transfer on it's good it's good
1: i remember watching some of the dvds Mm -hmm. in like the four to three aspect ratio and it kind of bugged me a little bit because that's when the hd was taken off Mm -hmm. um but it's they transferred it well it's nice it looks like a modern updated show i don't think it works as well with the shaky cam Sure. But, I could see that. um, I think it's a, that's a bit of a disconnect, but, mm. uh, but it's, it's still great.
0: Hmm. Is that causing any trouble with Paige? Like, did she, no, get she, into that? no, she didn't have a problem Sweet. with it. Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, that's awesome. So, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Cause we, uh, like, I'll, I'll start watching it too. Uh, so we can do like a full retrospective episode. Okay. I'm not watching good. every episode, but. Okay. Uh, I mean, oh. but you know the episodes though. Yeah. So. I'm watching a lot of it though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, whenever – when you get to a certain – like when you get to season six, let me know. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Uh, once again, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, where you can uh, subscribe to us or – Patronize us, <laughs> uh, donate to us, uh, pledge. There's there's the word, pledge as low as one dollar per month, and you'll get access to a special RSS feed where we talk about kind of random topics and everything uh, with each episode that we release on the main feed. So uh, you get some bonus content just for throwing some money at us, and uh, yeah, and those are much. Uh, <laughs> if this episode of the podcast uh, is lax and kind of a little. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like laid back, laid back and kind of choppy. Uh, (laughs) the Patreon stuff is even more. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I don't know if that's a selling point or not, but check it out for yourself. Give us a dollar and check it out. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, like I said, we're going to play a promo for our friends over at the geeking in Indiana, uh, family of podcasts. Uh, they're, they're a new podcast. Uh, you're going to love this or not. Uh, you can check that out at you or a oh shit. Y G L T O N.com. Um, <laughs> or just go to Indiana geeking.com, uh, or geeking in Indiana.com. I think he has both. Anyway, uh link in the show notes. There you go. Thank you guys so much for listening next week. Uh, Letterbox Potpourri and then something like that, yeah. And I think we're also going to do a bonus episode with uh, Patreon subscriber Ben um, to talk about the Oscar nominations. Yep. So yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Because like the other, I think it was like last
1: month or something, Mm -hmm. uh, we were scrolling through movies available on HBO Go, Mm -hmm. my wife and I, and my wife has never seen Inception. Oh, interesting. Never seen it. Um, I told her I was like that's like one of my favorite yeah. movies of that decade probably one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. she was like oh okay and like I showed her the trailer which you remember okay. that trailer right <laughs>
0: yeah With the giant oh, yeah.
1: music the boom now
0: did you show her the trailer or did showed, you show her the acapella I didn't show her the acapella okay. trailer I didn't
1: think she'd appreciate it really. <laughs> um, but I showed her that trailer and I was like right and she was like yeah maybe I was like god what oh. What? how can you not just like be mm. on the edge of your seat during
2: the damn trailer yeah. <laughs> I was just blah <laughs> The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewercom OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebookcom The Obsessive Viewer. And follow us on Twitter at ObsessiveViewer. And at Obsessive Tiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. that's me, at Feckus and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at ObsessiveViewer.com slash donate or support us on patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and b-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated for official obsessive viewer merch including shirts mugs phone cases and more visit our t public store you can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, t-e-e-public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower Series, at towerjunkiespod.com and at towerjunkiespod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for the obsessive viewer comes courtesy of the band Loud Like from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at Facebook.com slash As Good As It Gets Band. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.
0: Kitty! Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Josh. And this is... You're gonna love this... Or not. You know, one of my great pleasures in life is to bring people down into my basement and subject them to a terrible, terrible movie that I hope they might like.
2: One of my great joys in life is to come to Subterranean Fun Pit, watch a movie that Matt is convinced I'm going to love, and then... About how much I hate it.
0: So we've got a long list of movies to go through, and every uh, month we're going to come on and have Josh watch a movie, talk about a little bit, and see where it falls in uh, the great pantheon of terrible movies. And I'm pretty sure by the end of this, I'm going to develop some form of Stockholm syndrome. Well, anyways, this is our podcast. Have fun listening to us. And as always, Matt, you're a son of a bitch. I love you, Josh.